welcome to this place and uh, we're, we're happy to have you join us tonight and, and on Sunday. I want to uh, talk, it's, it's kind of traditional to give a talk uh, before a Jukai, about Jukai, um, and I promise to do that. But um, first I, I want to make a, a comment uh, because I was uh, quite intrigued and uh, excited by uh, Reverend Mio's lecture last week. Now, if you weren't here for that lecture, I ask your indulgence because I'm going to pick up on some things that were said there. But um, And it was a rather inside Buddhism kind of talk. So I, if you're not familiar with some of the terms that I bring up, I apologize for that. But uh, this part will, I think, be brief. Um, anyway, Reverend Mio is our guiding teacher, and he comes to us uh, from San Francisco, Hartford Street Zen Center, and has a lot of experience in practice. And he is abbot there. And so we pay close attention when he talks. And uh, last week, he talked about uh, a teaching, a uh, very uh, traditional and fundamental teaching in Buddhism called the five aggregates, or the five aggregates of being. And these are these five constituents that are said to uh, make up uh, the whole of a living being, uh, particularly us particularly us human beings. And uh, so, so these constituents uh, are, are one uh, material aggregate or heap of, of phenomena. Uh, and th that material heap is associated with this body, with this body. And the other four of these constituents are associated with mind. And the other four or uh, I'm not going to explain these. I'm just going to say <laughs> sensation, perception, formations, and consciousness. Um, and uh, Mio, uh, after presenting uh, the, the, these, this basic teaching, uh, asked us uh, rhetorically whether um, uh, the, this teaching, this really fundamental teaching in Buddhism, um, was uh, a definitive teaching that required no further explanation or um, a what they call provisional teaching, which does require some further explanation. So I'm going to say tonight uh, that the five aggregates require some further explanation, and I'm going to provide it <laughs> as I understand it. Um, but I'm not going to go into um, all of the uh, aggregates, just one, just one of the mental aggregates, which was actually a special focus of Mio's talk. And that's the aggregate of perception. And uh, Mio quoted a teacher, uh, early 20th century teacher, who was actually one of Suzuki Roshi's teachers. Um, named Oka Sotan, and he, he gave this quote about, uh, about the perception aggregate. And he said, the ultimate teaching does not occur within perception. And then he further uh, quoted Oka Sotan saying this, uh, perception does not figure in the illumination of the Buddhas, and illumination does not figure in the perceptions of sentient beings. So the uh, point I want to make is if we're going to understand even a little bit about <clears throat> what uh, Oka Sotan is getting at there, we really need to understand what is meant by perception, how Buddhism understands perception. Uh, as Mio explained, the uh, Sanskrit word for um, perception is samja, samnya, S-A-M-J-N-Y-A, samnya, uh, like prajna except samnya. And uh, that 
word is translated as perception, but it also has some other translations. And I think those other translations are very important to know. And those are conception and discrimination. So two other translations of samya. Um, so what is meant in, in Buddhist lingo by perception, by samya, is uh, the, the uh, capacity of consciousness to, to discriminate objects. So this is a very particular meaning. It's not a general meaning of perception as don't, you know, we shouldn't equate, equate perception with just general consciousness. That's another of the aggregates. So perception is not, it's very more specific. And it, it's saying that there is a, a constituent of consciousness that actually develops in us that, that doesn't appear to be very active when we're very, very new in this world. Um, when we're very, very new in this world, it appears to us anyway, who are already here, that those new beings come into the world and uh, the perception aggregate is not well developed. And therefore, everything is just gugu, gaga, or in Chinese, baba, wawa. So every, you know, there's just, there's just this open receptive consciousness without so much, uh, doesn't appear, without so much of picking out uh, uh, a lot of individual objects and certainly not naming them. So, th so this, this is not, you know, this function of consciousness is something that uh, develops over time and we get very good at it. And, and if we didn't, things would go very badly for us. We need, this is a necessary function of consciousness. We absolutely need to be able to discriminate. Uh, the, our minds need, need to be able to discriminate um, separate objects and, and know what they are. Um, so perception is, is but it is something that uh, d develops over time. It's a necessary part of consciousness, but it's not all of consciousness. And I think that's what's really important to, to remember. It's not all of consciousness. Um, so, uh, you know, con we have this ability to, to, you know, and it's an important ability to hear discrete sounds and, dis and, and, and smell discrete smells and see discrete visual objects. And that is very necessary but it's not all of consciousness. So we could, uh, uh, I'm gonna propose that we could restate Oka Sotan's statement as he said, he said the ultimate teaching does not occur in perception. And I would say we can restate that as the ultimate teaching does not occur within the discrimination of sense objects. Or, or another way, the ultimate teaching does not occur within our conception of sense objects. So this is the point that I wanted to make. Uh, I hope it might clear up some confusion, but um, it seems to me to be a very fundamental point that we, when we hear the word perception in various texts, uh, Ota Sotan was, uh, a Dogen scholar, so he, he heard this from Dogen, and we hear also we also hear this kind of language from Dogen, um, that um, the ultimate cannot be accessed through perception. So I made up an, a, a, a whereas perception does not he Otsukhan said perception does not figure in the illumination of Buddhas illumination does not figure in the uh, perceptions of sentient beings. Uh, this is my version of it. Uh, relying on perception is the activity of sentient beings. Relying on perception, trusting perception, is the uh, putting all our faith in perception is the activity of sentient beings. 
not relying on perception is the gateway of the Buddhist. Me. <laughs> so that's that's my that, that that's my you know version of or, or trying to um, bring this home. I hope uh, because I, I felt strongly that uh, I felt like hmm I don't know that the, the way Mio was presenting was really great, but it was really um, it might not be you know it, it, there was not much explanation so. I'm providing a little bit, excuse me. Um, but um, I just wanted to bring that point out, and now I want to move on uh, to talk about our uh, Jukai, uh, which is, um, as I said, non-reliance and perception is the gateway of the Buddhas. Speaking of gateways, we have the gateway also of the precepts. And we call these the uh, 16 Bodhisattva precepts, and this is the um, this is the, the, the to, to receive these precepts is the gateway. Uh, formally speaking, everybody can join this sangha without taking you know without going through a special ceremony, and we welcome everybody, and we know that everybody can deeply practice uh, these precepts without going through a special ceremony. Um, but there are some people that would like to stand up in front of the Sangha and they would like to uh, they would like to be known as people who are committed to practicing these precepts. And you know, just as uh, you know it's it's like it's, this is it's very similar to why we have marriage, right? We have marriage because um, uh, whereas everybody knows that the couple is in love, when they get up in front of their friends and family and say so, uh, there is something that something meaningful in that for them and for all of their friends. And this is very similar. So to go through this ceremony is 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 to be recognized, is to recognize yourself in that way as someone who has made that commitment. However, um, you know, uh, we may uh, not fully <laughs> embody that commitment in time, uh, but but still we we have a strong intention, and we represent ourselves to ourselves and to the sangha as 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 having made that commitment, as having joined uh, the a lineage, a long uh, history of people who have um, joined the Sangha in that particular way. So um, <clears throat> the, um, the ordinance, as we call them, have this, you know, as, as, just as in, as in getting married, you know, there's a long run-up to getting married, right? It takes quite a bit of preparation. You, you know, might get engaged. You might you know, spend time planning a wedding and blah, blah, blah. And it would, you know, there'd be quite some time before there was actually, you know, you got married. Well, that's just the way it works with this ceremony. And, and preparations for this ceremony uh, have started well, more than a year ago. Um, it started during the worst of the pandemic, actually. Uh, and uh, that started with... Uh, people coming to me and saying, is there a way that we can take the precepts in this Sangha? And uh, we figured out a way to do that uh, with um, Reverend Mio and myself working together. So um, in preparation, Brendan and Tony have uh, sewed this garment uh, that is hanging around the necks of several people here called the Rakasu, and they spent... Um, this was uh, an art completely unknown to them uh, that uh, they had to, uh, you know, this is not like uh, making this, this thing is not like, you know, sewing a button on your pants. It's not like fixing a rip in your trousers. You know, this is, you have to uh, take all of these pieces and a, you actually have to make, make the thing, make the garment. Uh, so uh, they have to learn something from scratch. 
a new, a, a certain kind of stitch and a certain way of piecing together and a certain way of um, uh, making uh, as much as possible all the stitch, stitches look similar, um, making them kind of a matching uh, garment. And, uh, you know, the, the stitches in the robe are said to uh, be resembling uh, the rice field. You know, the, you know, the pattern in the, in the garment is, is said to be representing a, a rice field. Buddha was walking one day with Ananda and they said, we, you know, we need some way of identifying the people in the Sangha. And, uh, and, uh, uh, and that, this is, that was Ananda saying that because maybe people didn't know who the Buddhists were who were walking around in ancient India. And uh, you know, the story goes that Shakyamuni Buddha pointed to the rice field in, in its neat rows and dikes and so forth and said, make it, make it look like that. Make a robe that looks like the rice field. Uh, so this is the story of how uh, we got these, this, the, the, these intersecting patterns of stitches uh, representing the rose and the rice field. So, yeah, it, part of uh, part of uh, part of uh, Jukai ceremony is in encountering new arts. For, for for Brendan and Tony, the art of of sewing and piecing together, and also I have had the opportunity uh, in preparing for. Uh, Jukai to practice a new art. And that art is the art of uh, Chinese calligraphy in its Japanese styling. And so uh, I have uh, taken on, I didn't actually have to take this on. <laughs> uh, on my particular rakasu uh, that I have, there's no, uh, Kanji. There's no there's no characters that look like they came from China or Japan on on my rakasu. But I had received my uh, first rakasu from Tension Red Anderson, and there were kanji on that rakasu. In fact, there were nothing but kanji on that rakasu, and I I thought that's the way to go. So in my enthusiasm and my yeah in ignorance, <laughs> uh, I, I uh, thought, uh, I, will, I will take on uh, the art of calligraphy for these rakasus. I forgot to remember that I had never practiced any graphic arts in my entire life, other than, you know, writing my name and, you know, and even those skills have atrophied because of, you know, the keyboard. So I forgot to, re I forgot in my enthusiasm, I forgot to remember that I had not developed this kind of skill. And, um, but I thought I had, in my mind, I thought, well, it won't be that hard. I'll be able to, I'll be able to do it and I'll be able to learn it. Uh, but I, ha I really had no idea how difficult it was going to be. Um, <clears throat> And the other thing that I had no idea about, I should have really known about this, is that um, no matter how much I learned about the calligraphy, uh, when it came time to uh, put the ink on the brush and apply it to the pristine white silk on the back of the rakasu, it was, you know, this is called showtime or something like that. I, I did not, I did not contemplate how much fear was going to arise at that time from me. Uh, so uh, when you see the Rakasu uh, and you look closely, uh, you'll see my shaking hand the interesting thing was, though, it's kind of like you get up in front of the assembly to give a talk. It's kind of like that. At first, sometimes you're nervous, right? Uh, and not ready for that, and you're a little nervous. But then you get into it, and it, it kind of goes away. 
And, and that's the way it was in the rock suit. Shaking hand. And then just keep going. A couple of strokes. And then it stopped. And then, so, so look at the second character, not the first character. Very good, the second character. First character, not so good. Uh, anyway, that was uh, something I learned. And, you know, that not that the wonder of, of doing something like this, to, to learn and, and, uh, and, and uh, come, to, come, to, come to that point, that those kind of edges of your life, those kind of, those kind of places where, uh, you know, you have to uh, really push through one thing I did learn, I'll uh, tell you a secret. If you're ever really in, and this isn't a secret, I actually learned this from Suzuki Roshi, but I forgot it. If you're ever in this really, really stressful situation, maybe it's where you really are supposed to perform right now, or it's something anyway, you're in that really stressful space. A deep breath and then uh, several deep breaths, and then on the exhale, on the exhale, do the thing. On the exhale, make the stroke. It really makes it. It really makes a difference to do that. On the exhale, it, it really it really made a difference. And I found myself deep breathing, deep breathing as I was doing that. And Suzuki Roshi brings this up. I think in Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind, he talks about a fellow who was dying and he was having a, this fellow was having a hard time with dying and um, and Zuki Roshi felt sorry for him but he says in Zen Mind Beginner's Mind I felt like if he had just been there for the exhale he could have he could have worked with it you know it would have soothed him it would have helped him if he was really there with the exhale so I, this kind of happened to me spontaneously as I was shaking, you know, just going into the exhale. And then, then I kind of remembered Suzuki Roshi's teaching. And anyway, like I say, I calmed down, the hand calmed down, and I was able to, thanks to the exhale. And thanks to just, you know, <laughs> getting over that first touch. Um, my, my calligraphy teacher uh, through this process has been uh, the redoubtable uh, uh, Kaz Tanahashi, uh, calligraphy master, uh, been associated for, with San Francisco Zen Center for uh, many years. And I've taken courses with him online uh, where he's just like a recorded person. And then I've also taken in-person workshops with him. And I've been looking at the way he teaches calligraphy mostly. Um, and the, the way that he, um, that he recommends is uh, that, or the way that he teaches is, is that uh, we should make a close study, he calls a close study of uh, an ancient, and he chooses ancient, I'm sure there's wonderful contemporary calligraphy masters, but he, he chooses ancient calligraphy uh, masters and, you, and he says that we should uh, make a close study of uh, the ancient uh, calligraphy master. Do it just the way that person does it. Just the way that person does it. Uh, so... Uh, yeah, I talked about that already. Okay, so I guess I'm ready to. Um, I guess I'm ready to show that calligraphy. Uh, if you have it there, Anthony. Okay, so 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 this is a, a close study I made this morning um, of um, the character called Shin, and. Um, uh, this character is um, based on um, the human heart. 
and the four the four marks on the on the uh, in the character represent uh, the four ventricles of the heart. And if actually, if you look, if you if you look at this character, and then you go and later and you look on Google and you look at a human heart, you will see you will see this character. You will see exactly how this character uh, it was conceived. Uh, this is a human heart. It's also uh, recently they transplanted the heart of a pig into a person. So this is the heart of many beings. You know, has this kind of configuration. Larry's looking at his rockasu and saying. I don't know. I think he's improved now. Yeah. <laughs> but this is uh, this is uh, uh, Chu Suliang, seventh uh, century. Um, well, this is me, but that's what who I was trying to copy. And um, so this character is a very important character, and as it does appear on Larry's Rakasu, it off, it often appears on the Rakasus uh, of uh, Jukai students. And spoiler alert, uh, this character appears on the Rakasus of both our candidates who will receive uh, their Rakasus uh, this Sunday. So uh, another interesting thing about this character is that it means uh, both heart and mind. It stands for both heart and mind. So uh, yeah, that's probably the Zoom people can, maybe you can take it down now. Probably doesn't need to be there if the Zoom people want to come back on the, our view anyway, yeah. So, um, you know, the the uh, the point I wanted to make about that is that um, I think the, the character Shin uh, is a, a wonderful uh, metaphor and um, well, actually, the not the character itself, but the but the process of making a close study uh, is a wonderful metaphor for uh, those who receive the precepts, um, because this is what you're uh, committing yourself to. You are you commit yourself to making a close study of your Dharma friends, but also mainly a close study of your own life. You make a close, this is what you're committing yourself to in Jukai, is to making a close study of your own life. So with with heart-mind in Zen, we study heart-mind. With heart-mind, we study heart-mind. Uh, that's the that's the whole thing, really. And uh, we have, but of course we have, you know, myriad teachings uh, to help us do that, like the teaching of the five aggregates that I talked about at the beginning, and we have the teaching of of the Bodhisattva precepts, uh, three refuges in Buddha Dharma and Sangha. Uh, Three pure precepts uh, to do all good, to avoid all harming, and to respect every being, greatly respect every being. And then, you know, we have ten precepts that tell us watch out for these mistakes. Watch out for these mistakes. Watch out for killing. Watch out for stealing. Watch out for misusing sexuality. Watch out for speaking falsely. Watch out for using intoxicants. And so forth. So you will take those precepts, those who received Jukai, take those precepts, and those are the, those 10, those are called the 10 grave pre, prohibitory precepts, sometimes. Other times they're called 10 
clear mind precepts. This is to follow these precepts is to how to follow a clear, to have a clear mind. These will help you have a clear mind uh, to study yourself. If you're trying to study the self after breaking the precepts, it's hard. It's hard to do so. You, you, get, you get confused, you know, and you get worried and you get fearful and, uh, you know, there's all things that happen, you know, you're, you get upset and, you know, to study um, uh, heart-mind, uh, it's, it's, be, it's best to be calm. It's best to be, have a calm approach to that study. So with the aid of the precepts, well, it helps us be calm to approach that study. I have here a quote from uh, A.A. Dogen. Um, a fish uh, swims in the ocean and now no matter how far it swims, there's, there's no end to the water. And a bird flies through the sky but no matter how far it flies, there's no end to the air. Uh, this is the ongoing, continuous study of heart-mind. It never-ending, continuous study of our own life. Endless. And 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 through that study, we recognize that heart-mind is vast, unlimited, without end, just like the bird flying through the sky, the fish swimming in the water. This continuous study, there's always, no matter how far you fly, there's always something to learn. There's always some, you know, you just take on the next hardest thing. <laughs> like, uh, you know, making calligraphy. And you find out, you know, my wife is worried, doesn't want me to really take on more calligraphy because she sees how hard it is for me. And, uh, it is hard. It's really hard. I find I found out I'm I'm quite a perfectionist, and um, it's really hard for me to do second best. Uh, and it's so I have to work with that. But but you know I can learn so much from working with that. I can I can learn about myself. Well, I think that's enough talking from me. And um, if, do you, if there are subjects or questions that have surfaced in your mind during this presentation, I'd be happy to have some interchange. Or with also with the I'm not supposed to look there, right? <laughs> also yeah. with the people on Zoom. You can look there. Oh, I can look there. Oh, yeah. All right. I wasn't sure. There's not a lot of people to look at. They've turned off their videos. Come back. Come back. We love you. <laughs> Hi, Clem. Yes, Kenny. I guess I got to get the mic. No, he's coming. Here comes okay. Anthony. Um, the five scondas, 
There's one, isn't there like, maybe it's sensations, there's like something about sense and sense object, it kind of goes against, you know, my my Western view of how you perceive something. So I guess you're not talking about the sense and sense object, or you have, I am absolutely talking about the senses and oh, sense no. objects. <laughs> yes, I'm talking about the simple act of, of uh, picking out uh, Kenny from Susan, visually. That's, that's that's all. That's what perception is. It's 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 the ability to discriminate objects one from another. It's nothing more than that. Um, so having you're saying that, should we like try to imitate a baby who has an undiscriminating consciousness, or or that's just uh, how the Buddhas see things, like the Baba Wawa. Baby, I don't. I don't think uh, uh, you know imitating a baby is is really called for. Uh, but um, you know, I was I, I heard a program on uh, the just briefly on the radio uh, yesterday. It was about uh, somebody was being interviewed about uh, unidentified flying objects, and one thing um, that Neil deGrasse Tyson said about un identified flying objects was that um, the reason that we have science is because pers human perception is so unreliable. That's the reason we have science. I would say that's the reason we have Buddhism. <laughs> the reason we have Buddhism is because human perception is not reliable. It can't be relied on. So um, we need to look, uh, we need to open up to non-perception. And uh, this is, um, this has been recorded to be possible. Yes. Which skanda is involved with the mind that does not discriminate? Well, um, the mind that, that does not discriminate? Um, you usually think of the best answer the next day, but... Um, <laughs> I could ask tomorrow. Yeah. Um, You know, in the Heart Sutra, it says that in emptiness, um, there's no form, no feeling, no perception, no formation, and no consciousness. So, uh, which mind is the best for non-discrimination? Is no mind. Is empty mind. Is the vast sky. I hear that. I resonate with it. But um, and um, the skandhas are presented as as in some teachings as as being the whole of a being, as you pointed out earlier. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the, the, you know, Dogen somewhere uh, in certain certain texts says. Um, uh, the five skandhas are five instances of prajna. Right. Five, five interests. So, you know, we don't, I mean, you're not getting out of the five skandhas. You don't really want to because that is considered, um, you brought up uh, the bodhisattva of delusive wisdom the other day and the woman who could not be snapped out of trance. Uh, that's, you know, that's the, uh, that's the case of someone who has abandoned the five skandhas uh, completely, right? And that's considered, um, don't go there, you know, don't, don't, don't abandon the five skandhas completely. So, you know, just uh, recognize that mm, the five skandhas are empty without, and, and, and 
not to be relied on completely, but don't abandon them. Like uh, Reb uses the analogy of children, um, love them, protect them, um, but don't rely on them. Right. Right. They're not reliable. Children okay. are not reliable, and uh, neither are we. <laughs> Dorley? Yeah, I, I've always sort of understood perception to include, I mean, the, the reason why perception is unreliable is because it includes our comic patterns, it includes our social conditioning, all of that is sort of wrapped up in how we see and what we see and, and how we value this or that or this or that. And that that's where the delusion comes in or the, the unreliability of it. Well, again, um, the, I think that's maybe that's kind of a Western definition of perception, which is valid. But really, again, from you know, a strictly Buddhist point of view, just um, basic teaching. It's 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 it really doesn't incorporate any of that. It just it's just the capacity of consciousness. It's like a it's like a baseline consciousness kind of that can that can pick out objects, and um, you know there could be there could be beings um, that that didn't have that capacity, and they would be we would call them mentally ill, you know, if they were, if we call them lovely little babies when, when they can't, when they can't do that as little beings, but if they grow up and they can't do that, then we could say, well, they're, they, you know, they, they don't have any grounding in, in, in form, in, um, in uh, sights, in sounds, in smells, in tastes, and so forth. So, you know, I don't disagree with anything you said. It's just that, um, strictly speaking, this this word perception, as it, it as it's used in Buddhism, uh, doesn't um, take doesn't take into account, um, for instance, um, karmic formations. Karmic formations are also like influence how we uh, how we think, and how we how we uh, think about. Um, others probably you know the most. I mean you know that we discriminate and say, that that we that we look at you know a certain person and say um, you know make judgments about them uh, based on you know some kind of conditioning that we've had in our life. Uh, then that's probably you know falls over more in the in in the karmic formations uh, aspect of this, but um, I, th I just think, you know, I'm just trying to explain the, this, this, uh, I mean, certainly, like, judging people doesn't fall within the illumination of Buddhas either, you know, uh, and, and having prejudices and so forth doesn't fall within the illumination of, of Buddhas either, um, Otisotan said, perception does not figure in the illumination of Buddhas, and illumination does not figure in their perceptions of sentient beings. And he, here he really is trying to, this is meditation instruction. It really, is, it's really meditation instruction. Um, I think first and foremost, um, and then there, there are other considerations that we could, um, or, or imaginations that we could apply to it, but I think that that in terms of directing our meditation, uh, he's really trying to get us um, uh, to um, detach from uh, concepts and thoughts as 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 real and reliable, and to 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 raise um, raise a mind, raise a heart mind that is free. Uh, from conceptual elaboration and conceptual um, activity. To be able to temporarily do that or to be able to do that as a practice and then come back 
into this world and be just, you know, as concerned and effective and uh, uh, wise and compassionate as you can be is what we should be doing. Absolutely what we should be doing. The refreshment, the refreshment of letting that all go will, will make us more effective, more compassionate, more wise, more caring, more stronger and advocates for peace and justice and uh, non-discrimination among people, I think. You know, if we have this, if we have that practice, that basic practice of, of, of dropping it all, we come back into this world and, and you know, remember last week, uh, Mio held up his little ho tie, or oh, some of you weren't here anyway, this little, this little guy, this little uh, 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 Buddha, ho tie, and he he's he's a, he's a friendly Buddha, and he comes back into the he's he's the Buddha who's gone, you know, and been in the monastery and you know done all these practices, and then he comes back into the marketplace with open hands and a joyful attitude, and every you know, and he and he awakens everybody. Everybody is happy to see him, and he because he's so happy and free. So um, this is kind of you know. This is kind of, uh, what is it like, a shining, shining figure that, you know, we, 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 we like to, um, like to see. Oh, Zoom, have any questions? We have two minutes. <laughs> That is just it. Going beyond the object-seeking mind. Going beyond the object-seeking mind. Big mind. Big mind. Vast sky. Bird flying endlessly. That's a very nice kind sheet, Jim. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Very presentable. Thank you. I can attest to the improvement. <laughs> <laughs> But I still treasure the one on my Rakasu. Well, you see, that one was free of it being the, you know, that one was free of it being, and it, you see, that wasn't the only one. <laughs> there were like uh, 10 or something made this morning, you know. So that was like, I should have brought the like ugliest one, I guess. But uh, prideful though I am, I brought the, the one I thought looked the best. And was the close study, the closest study of the, the master. That's what I was looking at. You know, even cause, you know, when he's making when he's making a copy of the master, he does not make it from memory. He looks, he looks and draws, and looks and draws. You know, it's 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 not it's not something that, you know, you you know, you don't just become uh like innately gifted, you do it by this study, and um, I think I, I I just watching him is is so uh, instructive because he's he's in a sense always a beginner too, looking and copying just so. Linda has a oh, Linda. I thank you. I love the talk. I wish you would uh, write down because I didn't have anything to write with your your uh, verbalization. Uh, I would like to have that where I can think about it some more. And the one that's oh, okay. Go ahead. Um, I can attest to the breathing out. <laughs> Because I've been doing ENSOs, the, the Zen circles, several times a week. And, um, yeah, I, I made a major breakthrough when I just really 
you know, focused on that, the breath and the letting go really, really uh, helped me with those. So. Thank you, Linda. Uh, I will uh, write down uh, my formulation of uh, that, uh, my version of that quote, or that, and I'll, I'll, I don't know how, I'll, I'll send it to you. I can easily do that. So I'll send it to you. If anybody else wants it, get in touch. <laughs> Well, this was uh, this talk was uh, I hope um, um, somewhat relevant to your um, your uh, understanding of what we're going to do on Sunday, and of course it will be even more uh, instructive just to be there and witness that ceremony, and I think then all will become clear. Thank you. Oh, one question. I just wanted to say thank you for the warm welcome. And thank you all for your kindness and friendship that you've shown Brendan. He's very, very special to us. Thank he, you. He's very special to us as too. Mm -hmm. Yes. We uh, have loved getting to know Brendan. And uh, sorry for his current travails with the arm. But I did see... Full bows with one arm tonight. So, uh, so I'm glad you're 30 something years old and you can do that. It's wonderful. So, uh, training like Rocky at home. yeah, training like Rocky. That's wonderful. Uh, don't overdo it during Jakai, but uh, we'll, uh, uh, I think you'll be fine, you know. Uh, We'll, we'll make whatever accommodations we have to make. 